Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, uh, before I start, um, Steve Bannon was in the news this week, and I just want to say something. I, I make a lot of jokes about Steve Bannon, but um, I, I, it's only because I'm concerned about the guy, because I don't know if you've seen him lately, but he, he doesn't look like a healthy man. Have you have you seen Steve Bannon? He, he, the, he looks like an alcoholic toe. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he looks like a bag of pus that developed rickets, and I'm not trying to be mean. It's just he, he looks like a guy whose liver needs a human transplant. You know what I'm saying? Like... I worry. Uh, I don't want to be mean to him, but he, he always looks like he's about to say, throw me the idol. I throw you the whip. You know what I mean? He, he looks like gout that caught gout. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he looks like a guy who was forced to do a nonstop cross country drive in a small car with Steve Bannon. Do you know what I mean? Like, Steve Bannon. He, 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 I worry. I did, I'm a little worried. He looks like a guy who HR has to give a deodorant stick to after one too many co-worker complaints. You know what I mean? He looks like the guy in the strip club that the girls ask the bouncer to keep an extra special eye on. Do you know what I mean, I just I, I worry about him. He looks like a police sketch artist rendition of the chlamydia virus. And it's only because I care that I hope he's OK, because he looks like a guy who was up watching porn until 645 a.m. And his alarm set for seven. Let's start. Welcome to the Sanity Cast. I am John Fugelsang. I'm a comedian. I'm an actor. I'm a radio broadcaster. Uh, I once did a radio broadcast from a two-man submersible 1,002 feet below the ocean in the Bermuda Triangle, uh, where we did a talk show underwater um, and set a Guinness record, but we couldn't afford to actually have the Guinness book blog us. I'm a Drama League nominee for doing solo theater. I host a radio show uh, every day on Sirius XM, where my guests have ranged from Bernie Sanders to Chris Christie, from Tyler Perry to Akon to Gilbert Gottfried to Trent Lott to Jan Schakowsky to Sheldon Whitehouse to Ed Harris and Holly Hunter. And my drag name is Herman Woke as fuck. This is the Sanity Cast, uh, all designed to help you make your way through this strange little dystopia our country has become as we traverse through this Fellini film that was once America 
It's important to remember that uh, depression is a disease, negativity is a habit, giving up is privilege, and sanity is the opposite of Hannity. And on today's show, no guests today. I'm trying to make these shorter, but I might have to go to twice a week. I'm not sure yet. They want me to keep them really tight. If I have a guest, they go really long, as you saw with Elaine Boozler. But that's a fantastic episode. Please check it out. This one's going to be special because, as always, we're breaking down the madness and going through the points you need to remember you're not crazy. The rest of the world is. Today, we're going to examine the Democratic presidential field and the perils the center and the left face through their purity tests uh, with an epic Beatles analogy. We're also going to have Inspiration Nation, the ongoing list of songs and stuff to help you get off the ledge, uh, news as I see it, and as always, ask a Trump defender. Let's get started. Here's a quote. The liberty of a democracy is not safe if the people tolerated the growth of private power to a point where it becomes stronger than the democratic state itself. That, in its essence, is fascism. Ownership of government by an individual, by a group, or any controlling private power. Franklin Roosevelt. Let's get going. Um, We talk a lot about something here uh, that I call what-the-fuck fatigue. That's what I use to try to explain to everyone overseas what our country is wrapped up in right now. This relentless political cascade of lies, malfeasance, double-talking jibe, and rank dickery. There's so much we have to be aware of all the time. And one thing I've learned under Trump is that being woke makes me sleepy. For example, in one day, in one day this past week, the president called for a boycott of CNN's parent company, Time Warner, after trying to block their merger using the office to punish businesses he doesn't like, which he already did with Amazon, which is abuse of power in case you're playing impeachment bingo. He also, on this same day, ordered his former communications director and his assistant White House counsel to ignore a congressional subpoena and undermine uh, congressional oversight because the best way to fight obstruction of justice charges is to obstruct justice. That's also if you're playing impeachment bingo. By the way, his um, former communications director is Hope Hicks, and this White House, Hope Hicks, don't know what Hope Hicks knows. This same day, uh, he also moved forward with his tariff war with Mexico, a new 25% tax on Americans that they'll have to pay on all products made in Mexico. This same day, his Treasury Secretary imposed harsh new travel restrictions on Americans visiting Cuba. This very same day, it was Tuesday, by the way, uh, the, the 4th of June, uh, his campaign associate, George Nader, had his bail hearing in Brooklyn for child pornography. This is a guy who met with Kushner and Don Jr. and Bannon and Flynn and set up the Seychelles Island meeting with the Russian banker and Eric Prince and had many visits to the White House. That would be child porn. This same day we're talking about, his former campaign manager was moved to Rikers. This same day, the president was humiliated many times over in the UK. We'll get to that. And capped it off by attacking Bette Midler in a tweet at 1 a.m. like you do. That's it. That's the gaslighting. It's just so much malfeasance. We all need a nap. We live in a country where at this point in time, rich people pay Fox people to make middle class people blame poor people, where the Aurora, Colorado shooter could buy 6,000 rounds online, but Tommy Chong went to jail for selling bongs, where department store mannequins don't have to have arms or legs or even heads, but must always have visibly erect nipples. This is a country where in one month, iTunes went away, but new Coke came back, where if you think William Barr's copy of the Mueller report was redacted, you should see this guy's copy of the New Testament. We live at a time when monosyllabic has five syllables in a time when stealing migrant kids, 
turning away refugees, enriching the rich, cutting aid for the poor, bearing false witness, that's lies, loving torture, grabbing women by the pussy, and pretending racism isn't racist, are what the evangelicals picked. Donald Trump is standing for Christians who can't stand what Christ stood for. Now it's time for the news. Now it's time for a deeply subjective but fair and biased look at the headlines, which we call, no, really, it's not you. And by the way, Wells Fargo just told me I had bad credit and I yelled, "Ah, pot kettle black. All right, let's start off with Robert Mueller. Uh, What do the Robert Mueller report and the teachings of Jesus have in common? It's kind of impossible to still support Donald Trump after reading either of them. This is capping off a week that began with Robert Mueller giving his public testimony about he never wants to have to give public testimony. And um, a lot of people had a lot of thoughts on that speech. I thought it was kind of like going to your first Bob Dylan concert. You you go in expecting to hear the stuff you really want to hear. And then you're kind of dismayed and you try to figure out what this guy's actually saying. And then if you listen closely, you realize it's actually kind of brilliant most of the time. And this was actually a very rewarding speech. If you parse it word by word, he talked about how much Trump lied and deceived the investigators. He talked about how Congress needs to do its job and begin impeachment, or as he called it, other processes. Um, And he said it was the DOJ policy that kept him from charging Trump with a crime. So it's not like he actually nailed Trump to the wall, but he did hand Congress the hammer, the nails and the chloroform. Uh, let's go over to the UK where they were experiencing what I call what the feck fatigue. Um, here's the deal. Like he really, really, really pissed off all of our allies in England. And that's not easy to do. You want to get British people all mad at the same time. You got to do something crazy, like invade Poland in one day, brothers and sisters in one day. The president attacked the mayor of London and called him a loser and complained about the crime rate in London. Uh, By the way, there's been 150 mass shootings in America so far in less than the first half of one year. And this guy thinks the solution is to do nothing, ignore the white nationalist violence and add more guns. That godless crypto fascist yeast infection of a man that he is. But on this same day that the president insulted the mayor of London, we saw the giant inflatable baby Trump. We saw the giant statue of the leader of America sitting on a golden toilet tweeting on his phone and it kept speaking no collusion this same day the royal kids refused to be photographed with him he was protested everywhere and had to lie about it british parliament refused to let him speak the world gets it the guy he endorsed for prime minister who completely uh slammed him uh, refused to meet with him and they projected video of boris johnson onto the big uh, onto big ben onto the side of big ben smearing Donald Trump from years ago. The Irish prime minister would only meet him in the Shannon airport. That's it. In the airport. I don't know if it was the Altitunes or the Cinnabon, uh, but in one day in the UK, our president did what no one could have ever done before. He made Camilla look cool. And then there's the photo of him in the formal tuxedo. Now, by now, you've seen this picture of the president and the queen walking into dinner. And it's always awkward when the queen invites you to stay for dinner, but you just ate Boris Johnson. Um, Look, I'm not into size shaming. I don't do fat jokes uh, and I don't ever want I didn't do fat jokes about Chris Christie and he could still bounce back. And that's not a fat joke. Um, You know, and I mean, Donald Trump, look, it's not to to be mean, but... um, Just like I would never out a gay person, 
who wanted to stay in the closet. But if they were a public figure who were a homophobe and fought against LGBT equality and were gay, oh yeah, we get to out those people. And uh, while I'm against size shaming, I think a president who's insulted everybody, a president who made us feel sorry for Carly Fiorina. Yeah, he can handle a fat joke, because uh, normally the president wears that long, 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 long tie that dips all the way down to his little bits. He showed us why. It's actually a brilliant act of subterfuge, because you don't notice that when he's wearing just a white shirt and, and, and a black jacket and no tie, he looks like a penguin in their third trimester. I mean, the queen's like, who ate my corgis? I, I just, it, it was, it was brutal. I mean, this is a guy who offered the White House physician the job of, uh, <laughs> of Surgeon General and physician turned around and said he only weighs 239 pounds. Um, I don't know if you've seen these pictures, brothers and sisters, but I'll, I'll just say, uh, somebody's not fasting for Ramadan. Now, here's the most remarkable part of his visit to the UK. There were many. We've heard a lot in the press about how the royal princes snubbed Donald Trump and would not give him the photo op he so deeply wanted. Because again, they're not suckers. It's not like Trump is Kim Jong-un and they're Trump. They know the value of a photo op and they're not going to give it to him. People are saying it's because he called Meghan Markle nasty and then denied he ever said it, even though it exists on tape. Um, we'll get to that. But I think that shows how liberals are really, really wrong about Mr. Trump. Uh, you liberals saying that the royals refused to meet him because of what he said about Meghan Markle. This shows how much we can't trust you liberals, because let's be honest. He also said stuff about William's wife, Kate Middleton. Remember in 2012 when he tweeted after a picture of uh, the princess sunbathing naked appeared? Our president tweeted, who wouldn't take Kate's picture and make lots of money if she does the nude sunbathing thing? Come on, Kate. So he's insulted both of their wives in public. But never forget, this is the president who previously, when he was a reality show con man, told Howard Stern in the building where I work that he could have easily had sex with William and Harry's mom, Princess Diana. Actually, he didn't use that word. He said he could have nailed her. He could have nailed her if he wanted to, but he would have made her take an AIDS test first. And people are wondering why they didn't want to meet with him. You know, a, a lot's been made about how he also denied that the protests existed. He kept saying there, there were people that were cheering. They were cheering. They were cheering everywhere because Trump likes to imagine people cheering like Muslims in Jersey on 9-11. Um, and he denied the protest existing the same way he denied that he ever called Meghan Markle nasty, despite the fact that there's ample video proof of all of this. And I found it fascinating. NBC sent the great Richard Engel over there to, to fact check him. And I do like Richard Engel, but Engel was so dismayed. How could the president possibly say that there were no protests and it was thousands of people cheering when the evidence shows otherwise? And I know the answer. It's because it doesn't matter what's true. He knows it doesn't matter what's true. Because in that press conference where he denied the existence of any kind of protester, he wasn't saying it to the journalists. He was saying it past the journalists and issuing his strong denial and to the media his supporters consume and will broadcast to the 30% that believe him without question. All Trump was doing was talking past the cameras to give Fox News and talk radio the sound bites they need. The 30% who keep him in power will never, ever hear the fact check. And Murdoch and Sinclair Broadcasting have Donald Trump Kim Jong-un into submission. But it's not all darkness here. 
this whole podcast is supposed to be about finding ways to feel sane. And uh, more and more, I'm not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. Um, And there's good stuff happening out there, including this. Both houses of New York's legislature are going to vote on a bill that would make the state the first to ban the declawing of cats. Now, um, here's my deal. I'm not a dog person. Uh, I'm a dog person trapped in a cat person's life. I've had many cats, all rescues. I'm legally a gay couple on on the census. Um, Supporters say the practice is cruel and barbaric since it involves the amputation of a cat's toes back to the first knuckle. The state's veterinary medical society has opposed the bills as the procedure should still be allowed as a last resort for cats that won't stop scratching um, or when the cat's owner has a weakened immune system, which I get. But, uh, you know, look, I I get companionship's important, but are you going to mutilate your cat or just find it a new home? Um, Declawing a cat is already illegal in much of Europe. It's illegal in L.A. It's illegal in San Francisco and Denver. And now it will be illegal in New York. And as they say, nature abhors a vacuum and so do indoor cats. Uh, Oh, Megan McCain, this is not good news per se, but Amy Klobuchar was talking about her dad, John McCain, and Megan had to go tweet, on behalf of the entire McCain family, Amy Klobuchar, please be respectful to all of us and leave my father's legacy and memory out of presidential politics. Megan, um, yeah, I love you. That's tricky for two reasons. Number one, your father is synonymous with presidential politics because he ran for president twice. And number two... Amy Klobuchar is a Democrat. And as of 2016 onward, Democrats are the only people being respectful to your father's legacy. Moving on, uh, David Brooks, who I never thought I'd be quoting as much as I do now. He had a column for The Times you might have read called The Coming GOP Apocalypse. When you get down, I want you to remember what David Brooks said, because he warned Republicans about how much young adults hate them. In the piece, he wrote... It's hard to look at the generational data and not see long-term disaster for Republicans. Some people think generations get more conservative as they age, but that is not borne out by the evidence. 79% of millennials think immigration is good for America. 61% think racial diversity is good for America. And Republicans think limiting your right to vote is good for America. Um, Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal... uh, John Hilsenrath, who was their um, was their uh, their economics editor, but now he's a correspondent. Uh, he wrote that um, the U.S. expansion, the recovery, if you will, that began under President Obama, is reaching its ten year mark this month, and that next month, as of July of uh, 2019, it will be the nation's longest on record, eclipsing the decade long expansion of the 1990s. More than 20 million jobs have been created so far in the expansion that started in mid 2009. And the net worth of American households has increased by $47 trillion. Now, this is important because when people on the right, you know, that coworker, that cousin on Facebook, the one who hasn't mastered your and your, they'll try to tell you what a failure Obama was, what a terrible economic president he was. When this happens, I have three questions I recommend you pose to your uh, Obama-hating friends. Number one, um, ask them uh, how Obama made Bush's economy worse. Mm -hmm. Number two, ask them how many jobs we were losing per month when Barack Obama was sworn in in January 2009. The answer is 800,000. And ask them which Barack Obama economic trend has Donald Trump reversed instead of merely continued. However, uh, here's the thing. Uh, The journal says the thing that could go wrong, trade wars, interest rate mistakes, and the ballooning budget deficit. Watch this space. 
By the way, my whole plan here involves getting Buzz Aldrin into a room with Donald Trump and then uh, telling Buzz that Trump says the moon landing was a fake. Hey, uh, send your emails to johnfugelsang.com. We love to get them. Uh, please let us know what you think of the show. Please give us your thoughts, your questions, your threats, and, and questions too. I'm going to start reading uh, uh, emails and tweets and answering uh, whatever questions you might have about me or about uh, about uh, religion, politics, uh, uh, you know, uh, romantic advice, um, whatever you need. Uh, now it's time for Inspiration Nation. Um, this is where every week I offer up a few things to help keep you sane. They're all books and films and uh, songs and albums that have helped keep me sane. Um, I welcome you to write to johnfuglesang.com with your own recommendations for Inspiration Nation. Uh, this week's book is Barbara Ehrenreich's Nickel and Dimed. This is a book that's so great, I gave it to my mom, and my mom loved it. Barbara Ehrenreich, of course, went undercover and uh, tried to get jobs as maids, cleaning toilets, whatever she could, to see how people living and scraping by at minimum wage were living. Book's 20 years old. It's more powerful and more timely than ever. Movie to watch, if you haven't seen it, A Face in the Crowd by Kazan with Andy Griffith in the greatest performance of his life as Lonesome Rhodes, a simple Woody Guthrie-esque teller of tales, raconteur, and folk singer who becomes so popular through the medium of radio that he eventually becomes a mad fascist. It was ahead of its time then. It's ahead of its time now. It will blow your mind. A face in the crowd. It's also the name of a great Tom Petty song. Uh, here's a good album or two. Um, Bruce Springsteen, uh, The Seeger Sessions, with The Seeger Sessions Band. Run and get this record if you never heard it. A lot of people haven't. Springsteen had this long plan to put together an album of old songs and folk songs and spirituals, everything from We Shall Overcome to Froggy Went Accordant to Oklahoma Home. And he got this huge 25-person band together with a horn section. He crammed them all into his tiny, tiny studio in New Jersey. Literally, like when they were recording, the horn section had to stand in the hallway with their microphones outside the studio. It was all recorded live. It sounds like a New Orleans funeral party, and uh, it'll make you proud to be an American. I mean that. Also, check out PJ Harvey, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. Uh, I think it's her best record. Um, it's not really a hopeful record or a resistance record. It's just some dynamic rock and roll. This is, I'll, I'll say it, uh, this is probably the my favorite Patti Smith album. And it's even got a, a duet with uh, Radiohead's Tom York. Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea by PJ Harvey. Thank me later. Here's the ongoing Inspiration Nation playlist. Every week I add a few tracks. This is the feel-good mix. This is the get-yourself-charged-up. This is the don't-despair song list. Number one, John Fogarty, who I love. I interviewed him many times at VH1. He's been on my radio show. The song's a, a more recent song called Deja Vu All Over Again. It was John's song about the Iraq War, and it is a powerful anti-war song, one of the best. He even steals his own bass line uh, from Who'll Stop the Rain. I know, John Fogarty plagiarizing himself, who knew? But it's a beautiful song. It's the best song that was written about the Iraq War, Deja Vu All Over Again. Jackie Wilson, Higher and Higher. It's really hard to stay depressed after listening to that song. Uh, Little Jackie, which is an artist you might not know, um, if Phil Spector produced like an all hip hop girl group, it would be Little Jackie. Check out the album I Believe That the World Should Revolve Around Me from the album The Stoop. Uh, finally, George Harrison, Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. I mean, it's a classic. You should have this in your playlist every day. It is in many ways the quintessential George Harrison song. There's also a lovely live version of it on the album uh, Live in Japan with Eric Clapton and his band. And Jeff Lynne does a gorgeous cover at the Concert for George, which was recorded at the Royal Albert Hall one year to the day after George died. 
And uh, Sharmi and I were in the audience for that. It was pretty amazing. One of the highlights of my life as an audience member. Give Me Love by George Harrison. And finally, People Get Ready by Curtis Mayfield, who's just one of the greatest artists of all time, who um, actually, uh, we just celebrated his birthday on Sirius XM. Um, Curtis Mayfield in the early 90s was doing a show in Brooklyn and a lighting rig hit him and paralyzed him from the neck down for the rest of his life. He recorded his final album, New World Order, in his hospital bed, lying on his back. Clapton called it the best album of the year, and uh, it's great, but People Get Ready is a wonderful song. It's been covered by everybody, including Bob Dylan, and Springsteen's Land of Hope and Dreams is pretty much a sequel to it. Um, I heard you two do it once. People Get Ready by Curtis Mayfield. That is Inspiration Nation for the week. I'm gigging around, friends. I have a brand new solo show. It's all about how to uh, how to raise a toddler while your country's electing one, and, and and how do you raise a kid when the Christians have elected Caligula? I'm calling it unprecedented, but that's a working title. It's going to be in New York City at the Crane Theater, K R A I N E, on uh, Thursday, the sixth of June. Kind of short notice, and then in Los Angeles on Thursday, the thirteenth, at Space Eleven Eleven. You can go to JohnFugelsang.com for all the info on that. The show in L.A. on the thirteenth has a very special guest. As my opening act, the legendary Miss Elaine Boozler, who you heard on episode two over here. I'll also be performing at the Stress Factory Comedy Club in New Brunswick, New Jersey, on Wednesday, the 19th of June. And then in Bridgeport, Connecticut, also at the Stress Factory Comedy Club on Sunday, the 23rd of June. And I do this show on Sirius XM Insight, Channel 121. I hope if you subscribe, you'll listen to me uh, every day at 12 noon Eastern. If you don't, please consider subscribing. In the last, like, three or four weeks, my guests have ranged from Kenneth Branagh to Jacob Dylan, Craig Ferguson to Senator Bill Bradley, Jane Goodall to Adam from Mythbusters, Louis Black, Jared Harris talking about uh, Chernobyl, Eddie Izzard, Ron Howard, and his daughter Bryce Dallas Howard were both on, Joe Mantegna, Roger McGuinn, David Cross, Sterling K. Sterling K. Brown from This Is Us, likable guy trudy styler juliana margulies it's a really good show and i hope you'll check it out On my legal team, a bigly great job for a lawyer. Uh, would you be mine? Could you be mine? I lost Cohen, Dowd, and Cobb in a matter of weeks. Hired a guy named Flood to help stop the leaks. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted to have a lawyer just like you. Rudy's afraid I'll perjure myself or worse, say something true. I may have colluded and broke campaign laws... I even crapped on the emoluments clause. Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my lawyer? Hello, lawyer. I'm so happy to see you. Can you shut these bitches up about an affair I had ten years ago and take my sneak? I don't want to change these myself. I want to thank Rocky Mountain Mike for uh, that little bit of horror. Um... Let's talk about the Beatles. I'm a fanatic. Um, everyone's a Beatle fan to some degree. I'm I'm pretty steep. They were very important in my life growing up. I was I was born you know after the band broke up, but there was a certain age where uh, I realized how important they were to me, and a certain age where I realized the solo careers were as important to me as well. And I can tell you, I've owned enough Ringo Starr solo records to end a marriage. Um, I worked with George one time. You may have heard about which uh, wound up being his final public 
performance. I work with Paul a couple of times, um, seen Paul live many times. I saw George live once at the uh, Bob Dylan tribute, and then again when he sat next to me and played a guitar. Um, love Ringo, never met him, handed him a glass of water once. He said, thanks. And uh, on my radio show, I've had Sean and Julian. I've had many of McCartney's guitarists for Wings and his current band. Uh, and I've even interviewed Yoko. So, you know, um, uh, they're close to my heart. And like many guys, I relate things through pop culture prisms like the Godfather movies or Star Wars or the Beatles. So I got a little trouble for this. Uh, I did this on social media. Um, this is about how to view the candidates for president on the Democratic side through a prism of the Beatles. And again, when it comes to the Democrats running for president, I'm not a Democrat. I've never been a Democrat. Republicans tend to force me to vote that way. Uh, I'm not picking a favorite, but I'd be very happy to vote for my 23rd choice. I'd be just hard as a rock to walk in there and uh, and vote for Amy Klobuchar or Eric Swalwell. Not that they're my 23rd choice. They're all great. I love Marianne uh, Williamson as well. I've worked with her a lot. I'm glad she's going to be on the debate stage. I wanted Bloomberg and Eric Holder to run. Anyway, here's my breakdown. Elizabeth Warren is the George Harrison of the 2020 field. She works really hard, uh, not enough recognition, spiritually evolved, proficient and brilliant, doesn't always get taken seriously. Biden is uh, is Paul, popular hit maker, uh, very popular and uh, the most criticized. Many critiques are levied against him, but when he's on stage, he generally nails it. Go watch Biden debate any uh, Palin or, or, or uh, Paul Ryan. It's as good as Paul on stage. Uh, also, uh, like Paul, Biden wants you to know he's a lot edgier than you think. And I get that some of you guys hate wonderful Christmas time, but it's very popular with people and it's much less toxic than Donald Trump. OK, Bernie is John. Calm down. Some of you are upset. But Bernie's John Lennon, a radical, iconoclast revolutionary who's got brains, heart and imperfections, brilliant, caring, sometimes prone to alienating people on his own side, who's called both a fool and a communist, but is actually way more mainstream than you think. There are several Ringos in the Democratic field, and that's cool because Ringo's awesome. And uh, after this campaign ends, they will all have very long solo careers. Kamala Harris is Clapton, who shows up for the White Album, shreds it, raises everybody's game in the studio, and could easily run this thing. Mayor Pete is Billy Preston. Everybody's saying, wow, I don't know how you got in here, but please, please, join our band. Uh, Cory Booker is sort of the whole band, in that he's a lot better live than he gets credit for. You'll see when the debates start. And he reminds you, uh, the Newark mayor's office was his Hamburg. Obama is George Martin, in that he'll probably get a final say in everything. There is no Yoko Ono, because Yoko doesn't show up until the end. And, um, well, I'm not going to tell you who I think Pete best is. But at some point in the past, every solo Beatle and every 2020 Democrat has done stuff I've really disagreed with. Joe Biden is about to be vetted for every one of his give my regards to Broad Street moments. Now, I'm almost done. There is a point to this. Because... While I look forward to making fun of the 2020 Democratic debates, I don't plan on hating any of these candidates because that's what Donald Trump wants. Donald Trump gets an erection every time people on the left attack people on the left. And I want you to stop giving Donald Trump erections because hate between center and left factions is Donald Trump's best hope. It really helped him get elected in 2016. Trump uh, isn't a Beatle, but he thinks he's the Stones. 
And he's not. He's actually just a shitty thieving promoter who rips off the Rolling Stones because Donald Trump still plays their songs at his events without their permission. And by the way, the Stones lawyers keep asking Trump to stop doing this. But uh, let's just say Donald Trump has never really prioritized uh, somebody else's consent. And um, finally, Roy Cohn. Bannon, Manafort, and Kellyanne. Collectively, they're all an evil zombie Brian Epstein. Oh, and by the third debate of these Democrats, at least a quarter of the field is going to be Stu Sutcliffe and leave before things even get started. So there's no need to worry about how big the field is. Don't stress about that. But, you know, get to know their solo careers. The deal is, if this field was cut in half tomorrow, if this was cut down to just the top 10 candidates, it would still be the most diverse presidential field for a political party in American history. There's five women. There's an Asian American. There's a gay American, African American. There's mixed race candidates. Again, in this election, I will not mind if I'm forced to vote for my 23rd choice. And I'll tell you something right now. I know there's people running that you would never, ever want to vote for. But whatever your 23rd favorite Beatles song is, I can guarantee it's better than whatever Ted Nugent's going to play at Trump's second inaugural. And I acknowledge this has been the revolution number nine of insufferable analogies. Okay, we close as we always do with Ask a Trump Defender. These are real questions. You should write them down. And when you have to debate that Trump-loving person in your life, start whipping them out. Go back to episode one, write a list, get all of them there, and, uh, and build on the hashtag on um, Facebook and Twitter, hashtag Ask a Trump Defender. You ready? Number one, ask your Trump defending loved ones this the next time you find yourself trapped in an argument. Should Donald Trump have to return the money he stole from every American he defrauded with Trump University, including the veterans, because he did steal from vets? Should Trump be forced to give back all that money? Number two, do you believe Donald Trump never asked the FBI director to ease up on the investigation of Michael Flynn? Number three, do you agree with Donald Trump's legal team that a sitting president can't be investigated? And does that make you feel bad about how you went after Obama and Bill Clinton? Because Trump's lawyers say that. They literally say Nixon should not have been investigated. That's their argument. Do you agree? Number four, why would Donald Trump spend years demanding the release of Barack Obama's college records and then threaten to sue his own schools if his records were ever released? Because he did. It's a fact. And finally, um, here's a good one. Question five. Candidate Trump promised he would make America safer. Well, in 2017, there were 427 mass shootings, including 58 killed in Las Vegas and 26 murdered in a Texas church. Is it patriotic to refuse to consider any regulations on access to guns? Let me know what you think. Again, I'm at johnfuglesang.com, and I would love to hear from you. I want to thank you all so much for listening. I'm trying to make these things shorter and tighter every week, and it's a pleasure to have you subscribe. Uh, please, if you don't subscribe, please do. We're going to have some great guests coming up, and rate and review us and, uh, and tell your friends as well. I leave you with this. The only real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Marcel Proust. And uh, please, please also go to sexyliberal.com and subscribe to all the terrific podcasts and the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network, or Stephanie Miller will come to your house and uh, give you a blood transfusion. And you do not want that. Peace. 
Hey, this is Bob Seska, host of The Bob Seska Show. If you enjoyed this episode, you're going to love my show, where every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we talk about this guy. Trump is crazy. And this guy. Trump is a f***ing idiot. And we say this a lot. Sweet, merciful crap. Because. He can't keep getting away with it. Find The Bob Seska Show at sexyliberal.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, bobseska.com, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.